Hey everybody, and uh, we're live. Episode 95 of the District 3 Podcast. Today on this Father's Day. Yep, today's Father's Day. Uh, June 20th, we're uh, recording this episode on this date. It's Sunday. Um, hope you're having fun with your family. If, if you have a father, um, or your father's in your life, you have a stepfather, Happy Father's Day, and also the folks you know who have lost their parents, um, that have lost their father, or maybe someone who has never grown up with a father with thinking about you on this day. Um, but yeah, we hope that you spend today with your family. Um, this episode is a little bit of an improvised episode, and I'm going to talk to you all a little bit about my father, talk to, talk to you a little bit about my experience um, being the son of an immigrant man and um, just information on that and uh, also just just kind of give you all some some cool uh, interesting news for the folks that that know the band Los Bukis um, which is a uh, Mexican band uh, that I think started in the 70s if I'm correct Um, it has become a big hit for generations in immigrant families well they're coming back. They're reuniting uh, in 2021 after, I think, like 30-something years. And uh, they're having concerts in California. Well, they're having just five concerts. One in California, two in Arizona, one in Chicago, and one in Dallas, Texas. And guess who bought tickets? Me. Um, I was able to get tickets for the show on pre-sale on uh, Wednesday and uh, managed to get some floor seats so i'm super pumped about that the concert isn't until september um september 15th of this year but we're ready you know i'll be going i think my sister's gonna be going too i believe manny's gonna get tickets as well um and manny's not here today but he'll be back next week so um but yeah the concert's happening it's a big deal for me i was raised on the la musica de los bukis um, literally my dad had, um, my dad had all of the albums, all of the CDs. Um, he would play them all the time. I could probably name you like 30 or 40 songs that shows you how big of a fan I am. So when I saw the band reunited after all those decades, I was like, man, I cannot miss this. I have to be there. Imagine the time comes of the concert. I didn't buy tickets and I see all my friends on social media post about it. I would feel really really sad because this band has meant so much to me has meant so much to my father and to my family and um, it was one of those things where where you just you would never put it on your bucket list because you didn't think that 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 could happen that this band can reunite Uh, Marco Antonio Solis who is the lead singer of the band um, pretty much established his own solo career so the band disbanded I had been able to see um, some of the members uh, that were performing with the different band actually come to the Springdale Civic Center a few years ago. And I was able to meet some of the members at a local taqueria, Alex's Taqueria here in Springdale. I remember it was concert day. Uh, some of the group members of Los Wookies were here. And I told myself, you know what, let me just stop by uh, Alex's Taqueria and see and see if anybody if anybody was there because you would think that some of the artists would probably grab some food you know before the concert began so I and I never do that y'all I'm not a stalker I promise but that day you know it's it's some members of Los Bukis I have to try 
So uh, I went to Alex Taqueria, which is here right next to the Sprindle Civic Center, which is where we're recording from. And guess who was there? Some of the group members of Los Bukis. I went up to them, got some selfies, and man, that made my night, that made my year. It was such a, a good experience. And I just love their music, man. Their music is, they're like Mexican romantic ballads. Um, they say a bunch of beautiful things, different songs for, for all different types of, of emotions that you may feel. It can be love. It can be a song, you know, just reminding you how much you love your mother. Uh, but a bunch of a lot of, of emotions that come from, from listening to the songs of Los Bukis. So I'm so pumped. September 15th at the uh, Cowboys um, Arena or Stadium, whatever you call it. Um, I'm going to buy some shirts that say Los Bukis. I'm, we're going to caravan with our family. It's going to be a good time. I'm so looking forward, forward to it. And like I told a lot of people, this is the concert of my lifetime, y'all. Like this is This is it. This is... You know, this is where I peak when it comes to concert-wise. Like, I like Bad Bunny, but I ain't as pumped about Bad Bunny as I am about Los Wookiees. So, I'm really looking forward to it. But before we come back to our conversation, I'm going to put you a little song that people use as a uh, tribute to their um, to their father. Whether it being he's still alive or he passed away. It's a song that kind of brings us back to the emotions that we feel about our dad and... and uh, and just, just everything. You know, the song is Mi Viejo by Piero. You've heard about it before. You've seen it on TikTok. You've seen it on Instagram. It's one of those songs you just can't miss. So I'm going to play it for you. And after this quick ba- break, we'll come back and uh, I'll tell you a little bit about my father. So here's the song, Mi Viejo by Piero. Es un buen tipo mi viejo Que anda solo y esperando Tiene la tristeza larga De tanto venir andando Yo lo miro desde lejos Pero somos tan distintos Es que creció con el siglo Con tranvía y vino tinto Viejo mi querido viejo Ahora ya caminas lerdo Como perdonando el viento Yo soy tu sangre, mi viejo Soy tu silencio y tu tiempo Él tiene los ojos buenos Y una figura pesada La edad se le vino encima Sin carnaval ni comparsa Yo tengo los años nuevos 
y el hombre los años viejos el dolor los lleva adentro y tiene historia sin tiempo viejo mi querido viejo ahora ya camina lerdo como perdonando el viento yo soy tu sangre mi viejo soy tu silencio y tu tiempo yo soy tu sangre mi viejo yo soy tu silencio y tu tiempo Yo soy tu sangre back that was mi viejo by pierro such a beautiful song um and it's one of those songs where specifically if you have lost your dad you know if you have lost the person that has been a father figure in your life oh that song hits different i tell you that and uh that's kind of the situation that happened with me you know and i i kind of wanted to go a little bit into detail on that today just to kind of you know do a tribute to my father on this father's day um my father just to kind of i guess before i give before i go into into the story my father passed away in 2010 um on august 26 2010 um, he had complications of liver um he also had issues with his lungs um i was uh either 17 or 18 back then um but you know the story of my father coming to this country Um, for me is a powerful one but at the same time you know who he was as an individual definitely molded me um, into the person that I am today my father Demetrio Camacho Serrano originally from Acambaro Guanajuato um, came to this country um, at a very uh, I don't want to say very young age but it still was a, a young age um, during his middle school years Um, he was able to uh, go to school um, here in in the United States of America, uh, specifically California. He attended middle school in Gonzales, California. And I don't remember if he actually uh, was able to start high school. He never got to finish it. But his dad, Demetrio um, Luna, Demetrio Camacho Luna, actually came here as a bracero, which was the program in the uh, early 1900s, almost mid-1900s, where uh, the United States government brought Mexican workers over to, you know, to work the fields. And that was my grandpa. And through that process, my, my grandpa was able to bring my father in, uh, and pretty soon he got his residency. So he, he was able to get his residency right away. Um, my father was a very charismatic person very charismatic and I've heard that from a very young age that he was very charismatic and also from a very young age you know he he quit school to start working in the fields in California 
he was a migrant worker. He was working the onion fields, the lettuce fields, a little bit of everything in the Monterey County um, region in California. And he spent so many, so much of his of his life there. You know, he was a member of the United Farm Workers, um, which was the organization that uh, civil rights legend uh, Cesar Chavez um, and Dolores Huerta um, created in in that part of the country. And um, he attended, you know, marches where Cesar and uh, and 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 the United Farmers Workers Union. Um, were asking for better working conditions for uh, the migrant workers. My father, you know, was always working. I remember that from a young age, you know. Uh, they would go early to work, him and my mom, and they would come late uh, from work. And it was one of those jobs where uh, they never would get paid enough for the work that they were doing. They were always, you know, crouching, always on their, always stretching out their backs because they were picking up the 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 vegetables or the fruits from the fields and man it was a rough time living in california uh never making enough money to properly you know get an apartment or get a house it just wasn't it wasn't something that was going to happen you remember living in housing authority apartments in in um in california and you know things were rough but my dad always found time to uh, spend time with me to go play soccer out in the soccer fields to uh, just teach me a bunch of different things and he always did a really good job since I was a little kid um, you know making my childhood a good childhood but even if we couldn't afford a lot of the things that I wanted as a kid um, my childhood was definitely a good childhood so I'm really grateful for that in 2000 um, in 2002 I believe we actually moved to Arkansas uh, we had a family over here who had told us about the opportunities um, of working in the poultry industry and how there was more college opportunities over here, more opportunities to buy a house. So we picked up our stuff. We did had a yard sale and uh, we moved over here to Arkansas. And back then, you know, <clears throat> I mean, thinking about it now, I, I, I get how, how folks can have an addiction um, and let it take over their lives because addiction is a is an illness you know it's not just something that someone can sometimes stop uh, if they don't get the proper help proper guidance and my dad uh, lived with an alcohol addiction um, which started at such a young age you know I remember him telling me that that whenever he would go to work in the fields when he was still a teen um, people that he was working with which were older folks they'd be like hey just come on just drink this beer you'll be all right everything's gonna be okay like don't make a big deal about it and uh, my dad would, you know, he would, he got peer pressured into, into drinking at a young age. And um, so whenever we moved over here uh, in 2003, um, we had moved here in 2002, but in 2003, my dad got really sick. All the alcohol abuse that he had, um, that he had done, had taken a toll on his body. And, uh, and yeah, I remember in 2003, um, he he was just throwing up all the time, constantly got really sick to the point that one time he was throwing up and and uh, he just threw up too much. Like it got to the point where it was ridiculous. And uh, and I remember uh, we lived in a trailer park and um, he had to be uh, transported over to the hospital and he had a uh, major surgery where 
the doctor had told us, you know, there's a 50% chance. No, not even a 50% chance. They said, they said there's a one out of uh, three chances that he'll make it. Um, there's a, no, there's a, uh, yeah, one out of three chances that he'll make it, two out of three chances that he won't. So, I mean, I was 11, 12, so that kind of news was very dramatic for me. Um, you know, my dad, even though he did have this addiction, um, he wasn't an abusive uh, parent to, to me or my sister. Um, he was a happy drunk, I guess that's what they call it, right? And um, he always made sure that we had everything that we need. So it wasn't a situation where he was abusive or anything like that. Um, he just had an addiction. And I think that's probably why I never really drank alcohol until I was like 21. Um, just because I had seen that abuse that he had put on himself through that, through the alcohol and everything. And, and I just didn't want to choose that route. You know, I wanted to be different. I want to be more responsible and I wanted to be here longer on this earth healthy. Um, so that's why it took me a while before I even started drinking alcohol. But yeah, my dad was luckily, um, able to, to have a successful surgery and, um, and he stopped drinking for a long time. For a lot of time, he stopped drinking. And even then, I mean, we had really fun moments as a family, you know, just being together and enjoying all the time that we could, going to different things, different events, even things like going to the Jones Center. And, and uh, I remember when my grandma would come over, she'd have us pray the rosary all the time. And uh, we'd go to the Jones Center, and with her, we'd walk around, the track outside of the Jones Center uh, while praying the rosary. So, you know, we were a very tight uh, family, you know, super supportive. And I'm so grateful for that because my dad kind of brought that culture onto us, even though he was going through a lot of things himself. You know, years prior, um, when my dad was working in a construction company um, in California, um, he actually had a horrible accident and ended up falling from the roof. Um, was, that was so scary when we found out. Um, and, but what ended up happening is when he fell from that roof, he broke his arm. And um, they put stitches on, on his arm. Uh, if I remember correctly, I think he had some on his leg too. Um, but um, from that point going forward, I mean, he couldn't, just, he couldn't work that good anymore. Like he couldn't, he had so much pain in his arm whenever he would try working at the poultry factories here in in Springdale and Rogers um, he couldn't keep a job just because like he was always in pain and uh, and I know that 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 had to have led to depression I didn't recognize that back then because I was a kid right but looking at it now I'm like man he had to have been depressed that had to have been a dark time for him of, of not finding that motivation to be able to to um, to live properly and to just be happy you know because he was always in pain and always switching jobs all the time. I remember that as a as a kid. But he, even though he was in pain, he always found time for us, for anything that we needed to be there as the head of our family. And for that, I'm super grateful. Um, back, one of the things that, that happened with him is that um, back in the day when we used to live in California, um, I remember he was actually uh, doing uh, semi-truck work and back then, man, people just used, used to like, used to like allow someone else to use their social, their social security, and um, and work under their name, 
And uh, my dad did that for a while. He was a resident. He wasn't undocumented. But um, I believe the person who allowed him to use the name had um, a driver's license to, to drive semi-trucks. And my dad knew how to drive them. But I guess he had difficulty passing the, the test since it was in English. So he used a different name. And he was working under a different name. And um, I remember back, I think it was like 2008, 2007, um, my dad got stopped for a traffic light or something like that um, by police. And uh, eventually the, the name that he had before came up um, and he was uh, arrested, um, eventually sent to Louisiana to the, uh, the prison over there that keeps a lot of undocumented folks. And uh, after his court day, he got deported. He got sent back to Mexico. And for me, man, I was in high school um, when that was happening. So I was doing a lot in high school, trying to keep myself busy, right? But hey, you can't forget, you can't ignore the fact that like family separation can, can be traumatic and it can create such a big impact in your life going in the future. So when he got deported back then, it was just my mother, myself, and uh, my sister. Um, and uh, eventually my niece was born as well. It was very difficult because, you know, we would try to have some sort of communication with, with him whenever he would call from Mexico or whenever we would call. He was living with his sister um, in Monterrey, Mexico. Um, and um, yeah, that was one of the most difficult times. So that's kind of, I guess that's probably why I'm so empathetic towards the undocumented community because even though myself, I've never been undocumented um, and our my immediate family hasn't really been undocumented my mom did for a little while but because of the reagan amnesty she was able to become a resident so we never really had that struggle right it was never a personal struggle for us but i think that moment when my father got deported uh, it became personal to me right i understood uh the sadness the the feeling of of just your family being separated and and not having a key figure in your family around you, you know, to be able to guide you, to be able to teach you things. Um, and it's one of those things that I still think about today. You know, I, a lot of the times I'm learning, I'm learning how to become a man um, by myself. You know, a lot of people have the guidance of their, of their father to teach them how to do things, to teach them how to, what's not to do. And I, after when, you know, at those, at that age range where, you know, you become a man and you're supposed to learn these things. I mean, I didn't have anybody at that time. So um, I learned a lot of things by myself. And I, I try every day. You know, it's, it's a, I don't want to say it's a battle, but it's a long journey to continue learning how to be a good man, how to be a better man. And um, if, if there ever was a reason, uh, if, if, if I'm ever, ever like, if I'm, if I'm in any way empathetic, uh, or a caring person or um, someone that just shows their emotions without any kind of, of um, restraint, it's because of my father. My father was very empathetic, always caring about people. He was the kind of guy who literally would take the shirt off his back and give to someone who was in need of a shirt. Um, and people would take advantage of that. I remember my dad would have a nice watch and someone would say, hey, I like your watch. My dad would literally be here. He'll take it off and give it to him or, or her. You know, if someone wanted something that my dad had, uh, my dad would just give it away. He's, he was always the person that understood that if he had something, 
that someone else needed more than him, like he was always willing to, to give it away. Um, and, uh, and I learned a lot from him in regards to caring uh, about more people, caring about people more than you care about yourself. I know that we have to take care of ourselves, right? Because if, if we don't take care of ourselves, we can't help out other people. That's important. So take care of your mental health. But knowing how to, how to have a balance of that, like caring for yourself, but at the same time, making sure that you do everything in your power to care for others, you know, specifically the folks that are in need, the folks that, that uh, are going through a very difficult time in life or, or just need some sort of helping hand. Uh, if there is any of that in me, you know, to, to care about those people and to be empathetic and to, and to uh, do everything in my power to make sure that we level the playing field for everyone, um, it's because of my father. Um, he showed me how to be an emotional human being, showed me how to, how to forgive uh, and how to apologize. And that's one of those things that I do all the time. You know, like I, when I mess up, I know I mess up, right? And I apologize. Um, some people don't want to take my apology, but I know deep inside that I, that I mean it. And, uh, and my dad taught me how to apologize. And, you know, my dad was the life of the party. Every time we would go to a family party, like anytime my dad got in, like that's when, that's when the fun really, really began. That's when the music started getting turned loud. That's when, when the dance the dancing part of the party started happening because my dad would start to dance. Very charismatic guy, very loving individual, someone that really cared deeply about his family and cared about making sure that we, would good, that we were good people and uh, that we cared about others. Uh, right after I graduated high school in 2010, um, my father passed away. His addiction had unfortunately um, damaged his liver for, for such a long time and my dad was on the waiting list for a for a liver transplant, but because he was in Mexico, that pretty much made everything impossible after his deportation. Um, he passed away in 2010, and what was really sad is literally, you know, we couldn't afford to go visit him when he was over there. Uh, we just couldn't. My mom was working, and you know, poultry wages—they don't—they're not enough. So we didn't have money to go over there. So luckily, we did have some family members that helped us. Uh, my uncle specifically with uh, money for us to go to Mexico and we did you know we got on the bus and we we went that route um, and we showed up to his um, to his house like two days or three days after he had passed away and it was such such a weird feeling you know knowing that if we had come a week before you know if we had the money we could see him alive and, and care for him so that was definitely one of the darkest moments of my life uh, the darkest moment of my life and and it's really it's kind of uh, like dark to say this, but I mean, experiencing that, experiencing seeing your parent, you know, uh, passed away and in, in, in the funeral, um, looking down at his coffin, um, I think to myself, you know, nothing can get worse than this. This is the worst thing that could happen to anyone to have a parent pass away and to, and to be there in front of them, you know, um, with their body lifeless. And I told myself, you know, nothing can get worse than this, meaning going forward in my life, I have to make sure that I keep my head up and I push forward in everything. You know, every little challenge in life, every little hurdle, uh, it's not as bad as this, so it's going to be okay. And from that point forward, to be honest, I became one of the most optimistic people uh, ever. Um, 
I, I like to think of myself as not as a toxic, optimistic person, but as an optimistic person that tries his, his best to uh, look at the bright side of things and uh, don't let these little small barriers or walls or or um, or sadness get to me as well. Um, so yeah, that was definitely one of the biggest life-changing experiences in my life. Um, so this Father's Day, you know, it's the, it's the, what's, what's today? Yeah, it's the 10th Father's Day that I don't have my father in my life. Um, but I know that his spirit is, is still here. It's still within myself. It's within my sister. And, uh, and yeah, I think the biggest way to kind of, um, show him as a tribute, show him a tribute to, for who he was as a person is to continue living with his morals, to continue helping people, to continue, um, being someone that, um, you know, can, that people say, you know, when he walks into a room, he comes in with positivity, he comes in with a smile and he comes in, um, with a good attitude and willing to help out others. That's the most important thing. Um, so on this father's day, you know, for all the people that are fathers, um, thank you all for caring about your kids. Thank you for going the extra mile to making sure that your family is taken care of. And, uh, and thank you for, for putting others, putting your family in front of you sometimes, you know, sometimes that's tough. I get it. We all want to rest. We all want to just chill and, and do us right. But it takes a great man to be able to, to be a good father for for their children and to be a good husband and you know just to be a good member of of your community so today on father's day i just want to say thank you all uh, for listening thank you to all the fathers thank you all to the mothers that step in to be fathers as well when we're, when fathers lack um, care and affection um, and i really hope you enjoy this episode uh give me any feedback any we we plan to do a little bit more of these episodes besides bringing in guests you know, we're getting close to episode 100, and we're so pumped about that. Uh, we're like five episodes away. But we definitely want to do a lot of these episodes where we talk about, you know, real things. Real things happening in our life. I think Manny and I are very transparent people, so we don't care about, like, talking about things that are real within our, ourselves, within our families. And uh, you'll, be, you'll be hearing more episodes like this. Um, and we're definitely open to ideas. But thank you for listening to this episode. This was episode 95 of the District 3 podcast uh, in dedication to my father, Demetrio Camacho Serrano, born in Acambaro, Guanajuato, passed away August 26th, 2010. Rest in peace. I love you, father. And that's the end of the episode this week. Thank you.